but like Candace said, we've been in a relationship series called Healthy Relationships, and our hope over the last few weeks has been not that you would uh, be equipped or uh, feel empowered to grow in your relationships, uh, maybe just romantic relationships, but it's relationships in general. Um, we all have relationships in our life, and it's not just who I'm dating, or it's not just uh, you know who do I, who am I going to marry. Um, but you also have friends, you have coworkers, you have your neighbors. Um, here in New York City, we kind of live on top of each other. So you have people who live above you, people who live below you, people who live right next to you. And uh, I was telling somebody, um, I was like, I, we've been in our building for uh, three, three years, and, uh, and we only know one family, two families on our floor. And uh, the only reason we know one of the families next to us is because their son, Joe, who's like this big, um, anytime he hears somebody open a door in the hallway, he pops his head out, and, um, and all he says is, hi. Uh, he's amazing. And, and then we know another family, but there has to be at least nine other families on our floor, and uh, we have no idea who they are. And, um, and so you have those relationships, those are relationships, whether you know them well or not, they're relationships. And, uh, and then you have family, um, which is interesting, because when you think about family, you think about the idea that maybe that should be the easiest set of relationships to navigate and manage, but I think it's actually the hardest. And I found it to be the most difficult, but we, we all have all sorts of relationships in our life. And so our hope has been um, over the last few weeks is that you feel equipped and empowered to grow in all of the relationships in your life, not just in one particular kind of relationship. And, and you know, one of the things that we, one of the reasons we take time to talk about these things is because uh, we realize that life can be hard, that life can be challenging, relationships can be challenging, and we wanna help you do that well. And, and cause we all need help. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm not good at relationships. I tell my wife that I, I like to try to set people up, but I'm like, oh, for 15. <laughs> and uh, that's a real number. Um, Tess will confirm that for you. Um, but I keep trying and she yells at me every time. But if you have your Bible, um, turn to Proverbs chapter 18, and uh, we just want to read verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And this is what it says. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and this is what it says. It says, your words are so powerful that they will kill, a little dramatic, or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. And everybody who knows that they're a talkative person is just like, what? What consequences? And, um, but, but what we have here, what this verse is trying to say, I, I love the Passion Translation because it, is, it, it feels dramatic, but it's just saying it like it is. And, and I don't know about you, but I like to people, people just, hey, just tell me what it is, okay? It says, your word is so powerful that they will kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. In other words, the words that we use can either bring life to our relationships or they're gonna bring death to our relationships. And I was talking to our team this morning, or this morning, good Lord, help me. This evening, this afternoon, um, and, and I said, I, you know, when I was reading this, it wasn't just about the words that we use, but it's also about how we use them. So in other words, it's not just about what you say, but it's also about how you say it. Uh, anybody ever receive like a backhanded compliment from somebody? You know what I'm talking about? Where they're trying to say something positive to you, but the tone in which they use was negative. 
And so it kind of defeated the whole purpose. And so when I read that verse, I don't want us to just pay attention to thinking about, well, I need to watch the words that I'm using. I think we also have to watch the tone in which we're using words. You can say something positive with a negative tone, right? And so the words that we use and how we say these words will either bring death or life to our relationships. And I would say this, I think when it comes to relationships and all sorts of relationships in our life, I think that communication is the thing that will make or break relationships. I think so much of, of building a healthy relationship and the foundation of it has to be great communication. And, and, and here's the thing, we all desire for healthy and honest communication that builds connection. But the reality of our life is that most of the time, that doesn't happen. And, and it's not that we are intentionally uh, mean people. It's not that we're intentionally saying bad things to people or about people. But I think a lot of it becomes uh, rooted in past experiences, how we grew up, um, how we saw other people who were in relationships, whether it be friendships, whether it be marriage, whether it be dating relationships, whether it be coworkers, whatever it is, how we saw them communicate with each other. I think a lot of how we communicate is inherited. Based on what we see, that becomes what we learn, and what we learn becomes what we do. And so, um, but we all desire healthy and honest communication that leads to intimacy and connection. But that doesn't happen all the time. What happens usually based on what we've experienced in the past, or maybe if we've been hurt by somebody, we actually communicate in such a way that creates distance, that creates resentment, that creates bitterness, that, that kind of brings a, a toxicity. Is that a word, toxicity? Yes. Thank you. I have to check sometimes, because uh, apparently irregardless is not a word. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, it brings toxicity to the relationship. And oftentimes I think we don't even realize that we're doing it. And part of that is because how you communicate is learned. And so what I wanna do with the time that I have left is I, I wanna kinda walk us through a couple things. I wanna walk us through um, some unhealthy forms of communication that we, we fall into, maybe based on past experience, um, and, and maybe we, we are failing to realize what's motivating how we communicate. Um, I want to walk us through a few unhealthy forms of communication, and then I want to give us um, a style of communication and, and some characteristics of it that I, I pray would help us all, including myself, um, and we just want to kind of go in, in this together. And so um, I, I think when it comes to what we've experienced in the past, how we've seen other people communicate, um, or, or maybe even how we've been treated in other relationships, what happens is our communication becomes motivated either by fear or love. How we communicate is either motivated by fear or it's motivated by love. And, and what, we, what I'm gonna do over the next little bit of time that we have left is, is just kind of speak to you about how uh, my journey, my personal experience, specifically with my parents, um, has my communication with both of my parents has for a long time been motivated by fear. And, and I'm gonna unpack that in a little bit, but... Um, I, I've been on a journey of trying to shift that, whereas for a while, my, my communication with my dad was, and how I communicated was motivated by, motivated by fear, and for a long time, how I communicated with my mom 
was motivated by love, but what I realized over the last years, those things have flipped. And so I'm on a journey of even trying to figure that out right now. And so when, I, when I'm sharing, I'm not on the other side of having this figured out, I'm right in the middle. And so I wanna walk with you together, because maybe you find yourself in a similar position as me. It may not be with your family, maybe it's with the person that you're dating or who you're married to, or maybe it's with a coworker or a neighbor, and, uh, and I hope that this is helpful. Are we ready to jump in? Yes. Yes. All right, so if you're taking notes uh, this morning, the title of this, uh, God, this morning, man, you can see how just like, it's like, man, it's just like ingrained in my head. And uh, this evening, uh, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Communicating to Connect. We want to learn how to communicate, not just to uh, talk, but to actually build connection and intimacy and grow the relationship. And, uh, and so what I want to do is right now is just unpack a few he- unhealthy forms of communication that we fall into. Oftentimes, it's not intentional. Again, it's a lot based on what you experience and what you've seen. But the first one is this passive communication. Do I have any passive people here tonight. It's okay. It's a safe space because I'm one of them, okay? I can be very passive. We, we had some friends over on Friday night, and uh, we talked about this very thing, and it's not just because of my Enneagram number, okay? So everybody who's like, well, I talk this way because I'm an eight. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> or this is who I am. I'm a seven, okay? And... Uh, Um, But passive communication, passive communication, this form of communication insists that the other person's thoughts, feelings, and needs are more important than your own. So what you, when you choose to, to, to communicate passively, what you're actually doing is devaluing your own needs, your own thoughts, and your own feelings. That's what's happening. And, and, and so what I realized in, in, in my relationship with my dad for a long time, he's a passive person, I'm a passive person, and, and there's a situation that happened. Uh, when I was in middle school, if you've been around, I've shared this before, but uh, my dad had an affair on my mom, and my sister and I, we were the ones who found out about it, so we had to communicate that to my mom, and then we started the journey of kind of walking through what would happen next. And... Um, and so when that happened, my dad, before that happened, was my hero. And everything that I aspired to be was like him. And in that moment, that image and everything I thought about that was shattered. Because then it felt like I didn't know who my dad was. And so for a long time, all through middle school and high school, and even some part of uh, college, we lived in the same house, and we didn't speak to each other. We'd walk right by each other and not say anything. We were passive. And, and for me, what I was doing, when I would, would say that, you know what, I'm not going to communicate with him, is I was saying that what I thought, what I felt, or what I needed at the time was not significant enough to communicate. That's what was happening. And so when you choose passive communication, you devalue your feelings, your thoughts, and your own needs. Another thing about passive communication is is oftentimes you're afraid of how other people are gonna respond to what you need or how you feel. Anybody, Anybody ever have that happen where there's a situation and you know you need to say something, but you're worried about how they're gonna think about what you think? Or you're, gonna, you're worried about how they're gonna uh, think about what you feel? That's me. 
so many moments where I had an opportunity to talk with my dad, but I would say, you know what? Like, I don't want him to think that like, I hate him. So I'm just not gonna say anything. That's what would happen. You know, I think about moments in your life where you just said yes to something that you really should have said no to. And you said yes because you were afraid of what would happen or what the other person would think about you if you said no. Passive communication. The second unhealthy form of communication is this, aggressive communication. Anybody would say that they fall in the aggressive communication. It's okay, thank you for your, I appreciate the honesty. Tess, did you raise your hand? I ain't see it, okay, so I'll make sure. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They're both unhealthy, guys, okay? So they're both bad, okay? Uh, but I'm a passive communicator when I'm unhealthy. Tess is an aggressive communicator when she's unhealthy. And we realized this early on in our marriage because when something would happen, I would shut down, me being passive. Tess would be like, no, we're gonna talk about it. She wouldn't clap her hand, though. Um, but she'd be like, no, we need to talk about this. I'm not gonna sleep till we figure this out. And what we realized is that's what we saw in our house. That's how we saw our parents handle conflict. When my parents handle conflict, they would just walk away from each other and not talk about it. When her parents handle conflict, it's like, it's like fight club. And, um, and I've, 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 I've seen it, okay? It was like the first like, Thanksgiving that I met like her whole family, and it was intense, man. I was like, what did I get signed up for? Who are these people? But aggressive communication is, is really more so saying that I'm gonna get what I want through force, manipulation, and control. And so when we say aggressive communication, it's not just that you yell, okay? But you can be, because uh, you, you don't have to yell to be manipulative, right? You don't have to yell to be someone who's like controlling a situation. And, um, and so signs of this communication style, I love this. It says, it includes sarcastic innuendos. <laughs> this is one, veiled threats. So like hidden threats, um, judgments that come in the form of counsel. Anybody? <laughs> the room just got really quiet. Okay. And withholding love. And um, and so if you find yourself maybe in this boat, you know it's it's it's. I would say, why do I feel the way that I feel when I'm getting ready to communicate in this unhealthy way? Right before you get to that point, think about that question. The third unhealthy form of communication is passive-aggressive communication. And we all, look, here's the deal. Whether you're passive or you're aggressive when you're communicating unhealthy, um, we all are passive-aggressive at some point, right? Everybody's been passive-aggressive. And so this is combining the worst traits of passive communication and the worst traits of aggressive communication and making them one. So you get JR and Tess, okay? And um, <laughs> God know what he was doing, huh? And, um, and, and so uh, anybody have those people, you know, maybe even at the office, and uh, maybe there's a little like, you know, confrontation or conflict happening, and you, you walk by in the office together, and uh, they say something that really was like, what? You know what I'm talking about? And they're just being very passive aggressive about it. Or you're in a meeting with people and somebody raises their hand and they're like, well, you know, I, I was thinking that, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of other people 
thought that maybe we should try this. And so they communicate from, like passive aggressive oftentimes happens in front of people because what they're trying to do is they're trying to kind of get everybody else to think the way that they're thinking. So they're trying to control the situation without directly going to the person themselves and trying to sway the room. Anybody been in situations like that? I'm in them all the time. Y'all like, what? You work at the church. (laughs) We're human, okay? And that's a good thing. Um, But those three types of communication are what what happens when our communication is motivated by fear. And so for me, what happened was with my relationship with my dad, when I fell into passive communication, lots of moments of passive aggressive communication between me and my dad, is I was afraid, I was afraid of what he thought of me. If I were to say to him, Dad, I, I was really hurt by what happened. And I felt like you didn't really consider us when all of this was happening. And so in that moment, that's what I actually wanted to say, but I couldn't say it because I was afraid of how he would think of me. Would he even think of me as his son? And part of it was tough because I'm in a fragile state already because of the situation that's happening. And so um, for me, one of the things that changed my whole perspective on my journey and my relationship with my dad is when I was talking to a counselor and she asked me this question and she said, do you believe that God died for your sins? I said, yes. Do you believe that God died for the sins of all of humanity? So every person, I said, yes. And she said, well, then do you believe that God died for the sins of your dad? And I hesitated and I paused. And in my head, I wanted to say no. But the reality is yes. And when I had that perspective, it gave me, it almost broke something in me in the sense that God was saying, for so long, your communication between you and your dad was motivated by fear. And what's been missing is your recognition and acknowledgement that if I love you to the point where I'm willing to give my son for your mistakes, past, present, and future, I love your dad the same way. And so I need you to love your dad the same way. And so I started this journey and it doesn't happen overnight, but I I still can talk to him for years, so I would just write him letters. And in these letters, I would communicate how I was feeling. And in the back of my mind, I'm like freaked out about what he thinks about me. And so we've been on a journey and now we communicate much more like verbally than we ever have um, for a long time. I mean, I'm talking like 10 years of living in the same house and not talking to each other. And, um, and so, um, you know, we can fall into these unhealthy forms of communication, but you can see that through that story, that my experience, it was, there was something that happened that caused me to then communicate in an unhealthy way. Whereas there's also moments where we talked about, you know, what Tess and I experienced when we handle conflict, where that's based on what we saw. And so we saw this in a marriage, so that, I guess that's how you communicate in a marriage. And so it was learned. And so um, I think it's important for us to realize that we have to first figure out where that's happening and, and then move forward from there. But what I wanna do with the time that I have left tonight is just kind of walk us through a communication style and some characteristics of it that I think will be helpful, I hope will be helpful, that have been helpful for me 
And, um, and, and, and so the, the communication style that I think is, is really motivated by love and not fear is assertive communication. Assertive communication. Unlike the other styles of communication we just discussed, assertive communication is not driven or motivated by fear, but it's motivated by love. The core belief of assertive communication is this, you matter and so do I. So my thoughts, feelings, and needs matter, but so do your thoughts, feelings, and needs. And so there's this mutuality that's happening in the relationship when you choose assertive communication. And we see Jesus call people to assertive communication in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. This is what he says. He says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? He says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so assertive communication says, hey, you matter, but so do I, or I matter, and so do you. And, and Jesus is, I love, I love what Jesus does here. He says, hey, really quick, y'all like talking and yapping at each other. Can you really tell me just what's important here? And Jesus gives him two things, and I think he, he does this intentionally. The order of it matters. He says, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all your soul. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, I believe Jesus is giving us a picture of assertive communication, but the order in which we do that matters is saying that you have to first choose me in every area of your life, including your relationships. And from that place, then you will be capable to be in healthy relationships and communicate in a healthy way. Because I don't think that if we don't understand the, the love that we've received from God and, and, and kind of the relationship dynamic in that, I'm loved by God and so I wanna love God with everything that I have, then we will never be able to love our neighbor as ourselves. That will never be able to happen. So the order in which Jesus says these things is important. And so I love this quote from Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk, which is a, a book that uh, where we're getting a lot of the content from. And I wanna encourage you to pick that up, read it. It's amazing. It's not about dating relationships, even though the title is like Keep Your Love On. It's just about being a loving person in all of your relationships, and it's so helpful. But this is what he says. He says, only those who value and understand themselves can value and understand others. And where that you understanding your own personal value comes from is understanding how God loves you and how you reciprocate that love back to him. That's where you gain an understanding of your personal value. And so if we don't understand our personal value and how God loves us and we wanna reciprocate that love with everything that we have, then we'll never be able to communicate honestly, not only with others, but ourselves. And so what I wanna do really, really, really quick is I just wanna give us five characteristics of assertive communication. And the first one is this. My first goal in the conversation is to understand you, not get you to agree with me. 
And all the Enneagram eights got quiet. I'm just picking on eights because my wife is eight, okay? And, uh, but I think, man, if we could figure this out in the church, what would our city look like? I think so often we're trying to get people to agree with us, not believe in Jesus. And, and in doing so, we miss the whole point of it all. Because we just want them to believe what we believe. And, and by doing that, sometimes unintentionally, we're getting them to believe in us, not God. And so I think the first characteristic of assertive communication is, what if our goal in trying to reach people and love people in our neighborhoods or in our workplaces or in our family was say, hey, I just wanna get to understand you. Let me hear your story. Let me hear how you experience this. And then communicate. You know, I, I love, you know, James chapter one, he encourages us all that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Hey, let me hear where you're coming from. Let me gain an understanding and then communicate. Anybody just kind of, those people who just like talk, but they don't really have a good understanding of the whole situation, but they just keep talking. Anybody been around those people? Everybody's like, yeah, oh my gosh, all the time. And then some people are like, well, that's me, I think. Uh, the second characteristic of assertive communication is this. I communicate openly about my feelings and needs, expressing vulnerability that builds trust. Here's the thing. You can't expect somebody to be vulnerable in the relationship if you aren't willing to be vulnerable yourself. It is an unrealistic expectation to say, hey, I need you to open up more. I need you to be more vulnerable if you aren't willing to do it yourself. And, and so here's the thing. I believe that the more vulnerable that you can be in a relationship, I think it frees the other person up. And so too often, I think we as people, maybe you know, those of us that are here tonight who say, hey, I have a relationship with Jesus, I'm following Jesus. I think too often, we are the ones who want everybody else to be vulnerable with us. And we are the ones who are kind of slow to be vulnerable because we're afraid of what somebody might think of us when Jesus says, hey, just come as you are. He died for every sin, he died for every imperfection. And, uh, and so if we aren't willing to be vulnerable with each other, how do we expect to create a space where people can come as they are? You know, in healthy relationships, each person understands that it's their responsibility to tell the other person what's going on inside of them. You know, I can't expect uh, Tess to just know that I'm hungry, <laughs> even though I'm hungry all the time. And she, when she asked me, uh, this, is, this is really bad communication, but when she asked me if I'm hungry, I always, my response most of the time is always like, why are you even asking? I can always eat. And uh, that's probably not great communication. But it's not the other person's responsibility to tell you how you feel. And so you can't expect them to know what to do if you don't tell them how you feel. You know, the third characteristic of assertive communication is this. I participate in respectful and honoring conversations. In healthy relationships, people don't make judgment statements or tell someone how they must change to meet their needs. And so here's the thing. I think when it comes to honor and respect, it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it that matters. Your tone matters. I can say... To, I can look at my wife and say, well, you look really good today. 
But you see what I did there? There was a positive statement with a negative tone, and, and really, I was kind of like judging what she had on, even though she looks fine. I'm not talking about what you have on today. You look great. And, um, but you see what I mean when I say that? Like, it, I think it's more really about your tone and how you say it than what you say. The fourth characteristic of assertive communication is when you communicate your needs to me, it's my job to listen and to take active steps forward to understand and then meet your needs. So if Tess tells me, hey, I need you to take out the trash because it smells really bad and it's making me feel pretty grumpy. She's communicated to me how that situation's made her feel. At that point, I'm now responsible to do something about it. And so I can either choose to be passive and just say nothing and not do anything. I can be aggressive and say, I ain't taking out no trash, girl. (laughs) I can be passive aggressive and say, you know what? smells good to me. (laughs) Or I can be assertive and say, hey, thank you so much for telling me how that made you feel. Let me, I'll, I'll take it out in a moment and let me take it out. So you see what happens. Once somebody communicates how they feel or what they need, it's now the responsibility falls on you to do something with it. In, in other words, you can't expect the other person to then fix it. They've told you what you need to do, so it's up to us to do it. The fifth and last characteristic, and the team can come, of assertive communication is I'm responsible for the condition of my heart, and I will manage it so I can be driven by love and not fear in the relationship. You know, I talked about the journey that I was on with my dad and, and now the last year realizing that there's some weird dynamics between me and my mom. Not weird, but just stuff to work through. And um, I realized that um, for years and years and years, I couldn't communicate with my dad. And, uh, and, and what happened is my mom, I love my mom. She's my hero. Y'all know that. And uh, many of you have, have heard her pray, and it's amazing. And, um, but what I realized in the last year, I would call my mom and we would talk. And as she was communicating and saying things to me, there was something in me that just wasn't right. And I was like, why do I feel this way? I don't want to feel this way, but I do. Like, I feel angry. I feel a little upset, frustrated. And, um, and I began to like, talk about it, think about it. And I realized what was happening is my communication with my dad for a while was motivated, motiv- motivated, motivated by fear, so I wouldn't communicate to him at all. What I did not realize until literally the end of last year was a lot of my communication with my mom was not motivated by love, but it was motivated by fear, fear that I would lose another parent. And so there were things that I allowed in our relationship that weren't okay. And now that I'm removed from that, or more removed, like I don't live, we don't live in the same state, same city, I've realized that when I talk to her, some of this stuff is starting to come up now. And, um, and so now I'm you know, getting ready to go see a counselor that's will work through it and talk about it. And, um, but it was interesting to me that in that situation, I thought, that one was motivated by love, but they were both motivated by fear. And, uh, and it's hard because they're your parents. 
It's your family. And if you feel like any relationship should be easy to communicate, you feel like it's that one. But I would say it's, that one's been the most difficult for me. And, um, and so now I'm on the journey of trying to figure out how to be more assertive in my communication with my mom to get to the point where now me and my dad are. And, uh, but can I tell you that it doesn't happen overnight? I prayed about how to talk to my dad, how to speak to my dad for more than a decade. And it, I'm not seeing the fruit of that until the past few years, and I'm not seeing the fruit of that without me putting in work. And, um, and so what I wanna do, um, you know, I hope that was helpful. And, uh, but what I wanna do is I felt very specifically, uh, did feel it this morning, but I know it's the evening, um, that um, I wanted to pray for people's relationship with their parents. Um, mine's been a journey, and um, we walked through the point where we thought our parents were gonna get divorced. Uh, by the grace of God, they're still together, and they were able to work through things, and my mom was able to work in the team, where's, where's there, Stephen? The, the, um, my mom was able to work through things because of assertive communication. You know, one of the things that I've long admired about my mom is throughout the whole journey of that process, not once, and still to this day, does she not speak negatively about my dad? She's never said anything dishonoring or disrespectful about him. And, and when I ask her about that, I say, well, how do you do that? Because if, that, if I were you, Lord help me, <laughs> if I'm honest. And, um, and I just, she, she just said something super simple. She said, well, um, the only way for me to get through this is to choose to honor him and respect him in spite of. And she said, because the reality is, is Jesus does the same thing for us. In spite of our sin, in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our failures, Jesus doesn't talk bad about us. He doesn't disrespect us. He doesn't dishonor us, but he chooses to love, honor, and respect us even when we don't deserve it. And so, um, look, I'm in the middle of this. I'm not on the other side of it. And, um, and I feel like so often you find yourself in a situation in a room like this where people, somebody's praying for situations, but they've already gotten to the other side. And, and that's powerful. But I also think there's power in praying with each other while we find ourselves in the middle of this journey. And, um, and so what I want to do is just take a moment to pray for people in the room who maybe find themselves in a similar situation with their parents as me. Or maybe there was a past hurt or past situation that caused pain. And, it, and look, this journey of learning to communicate better and forgiveness and reconciliation isn't saying that what happened didn't happen. But it is about you moving forward and growing in who God's called you to be. And so with every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you would say, hey, I... I kind of find myself in a similar situation as you in the middle of trying to figure out my relationship dynamic with my parents. I realize that maybe over the last little bit of time that we've been together that maybe it's actually unhealthy. But I want to let God in first and, and let him start to bring health to the relationship that I have with my parents. 
Um, if you would say that's you, because uh, that's where I'm at, I just want you to uh, just lift your hand up right now. I want to know who I'm praying with, who I'm praying for. And uh, and you can put your hand down. And uh, can, I, can I ask you guys to do, um, do one more thing? It's going to require a little bit of boldness, a little bit of faith. Um, but this is a safe space. Um, we're all in this together. Like I said, I'm in the middle of this journey. I'm getting ready to see a counselor about this and because uh, I know I need to work through it. But would you meet me down front? If you raise your hand, would you just come meet me down front? Um, I, I want to pray with you and for you. And there's power. Um, first of all, thank you for your boldness. Um, this takes courage. And, um, but there's power in unity. And so what I actually want you to do is just grab the hand of the person you're standing next to. And I believe that God's just going to begin to release. Um, he's just going to begin to release wisdom. He's going to begin to release courage and boldness and strength. And um, he's going to begin to release healing. Healing in the places that you have allowed to be broken for too long. You know, the beautiful thing about God is he loves us where we're at, but he loves us too much to let us stay there. And, um, and so if you're, if you're sitting behind them, would you just extend your hand towards them? And uh, God, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. God, I thank you that above all things that you are our father. And so, Father, I pray right now, by the power of your spirit, by the power of your name, would the Father's heart begin to rest on each person in this moment right now, God. The Father's heart begin to rest on each person right now, God. Right now, God. And Father, I pray, would you bring healing where maybe there's been a circumstance or a situation that's caused division, that's caused pain, that's caused confusion for years. I pray would you bring healing and restoration, learning how to communicate and grow in health in our relationship with our parents is not saying that stuff did not happen that was hurtful, but we know we need to move forward. And because God, the reality is, is you're our father in heaven, but you gave us parents. You gave us parents to steward our lives and no matter how they did that, it doesn't change the fact that we all belong to you and that you, you didn't just die for our sins, but you died for theirs as well. And so Father, I just declare, would you release healing and restoration? And Father, would you release a spirit of boldness to say, you know what, I'm gonna stand on the word of God and who I know God is and how he loves me. And then I'm going to choose to love my parents with that same love. As hard as it may be, I know that it's possible because if God can love me as I am, then I can love my parents. Father, I pray would you release wisdom. 
God, oftentimes in these situations, we don't know what to say, but you do. Father, I pray, even if it starts with saying, hey, I'm gonna write a note, and I, don't, I won't know if they read it, but I just know I need to communicate. And so I'm gonna do whatever it takes to communicate to them. God, I pray, would you give wisdom? Would you bring clarity where there's been confusion? Would you bring unity where there's been division? And God, above all things, would we place you at the center of it all? Because if you're at the center of it, we can move forward how you want us to. And so, Father, I pray right now, God, boldness, 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 boldness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Amen.